Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. People are thinking about retirement differently here in Singapore. We're going to help you out on your retirement journey today. I'm Michelle Martin. Listen, at what age do you plan to retire? If you ask a 21 to 30 year old, they'll likely say they want to retire at age 57, but realistically think they can only retire at 61 later. And if you ask a 51-year-old Singaporean, well, she might say she wants to retire at 60, but realistically thinks she can only retire at 62. So why the difference between when people want to retire here in Singapore and when they can realistically? We're discussing the findings of a commission study by Fullerton Fund Management. Respondents were Singaporeans aged 21 and above with a minimum monthly income of $3,000 and who owned some form of investment. We're looking at changing aspirations and behaviours, including how the pandemic and technology has changed the way we here in Singapore are approaching retirement. With one of my favourite people to speak all things retirement with, Christopher Tan, founder and CEO of Provident. Good morning, Chris. Hi, good morning, Michelle. It's good to talk to you again. And what stood out for you when you looked at this piece of research in terms of what's changing about retirement aspirations? Yeah, it's actually very interesting that people are getting very interested in retirement. You know, I've been doing this for a long time and 20 years ago. Very few people talk about retirement. People just work, you know. And I think like you have just said as well that, you know, technology has really changed that because uh, firstly, I mean, there's a lot of education. People get on the social media. They read about, you know, retirement adequacy. And at the same time, you know, technology makes it easy for people to start dabbling into investments and things like that. So I see that that's been a change over the last two decades. Absolutely. So this particular research paper said people are not just looking at retirement as the closing of a door, but the opening of one, right? Mm, that's right. That's right. I mean, I think retirement today for a lot of people is just a transition into a phase of life. And it's not like our parents, you know, uh, when they go into retirement, they totally stop work, you know, they stay at home. I think people are realizing that, you know, they can't do that. And mm. also, I guess, because people are a lot more educated and they want to be engaged in meaningful activities. Okay, so is that the ideal retirement lifestyle that, you know, you are picking up? That is what your clients want? That's what you think of? Well, you know, more than 10 years ago, I actually read a book. Um, it's called Repacking Your Bags. And it was by these uh, two authors called Richard Lader and uh, David Shapiro. Mm. And very interestingly, they define the good life not retirement, but they said they define the good life as living in the place you belong with people you love, doing the right work and on purpose. And that really left a deep impression on me. I mean, until today, I can remember it. It impacted me a lot. And so, yes, to me, you know, Michelle, an ideal retirement for me is the same. When I retire, I want to live in a place where I feel a sense of belonging with the people I love and doing the right work on purpose and that will be ideal for me but actually if you think about this definition you notice that we don't even have to wait until retirement to do that yeah I was thinking you can retire anytime it's a state yeah, of can, mind can, find the yeah, right place to live that's right <laughs> do with the, the right work with the pe- that is a beautiful quote thank you that really resets retirement because for a lot of people I think they get really frightened by the figures that they think they have to conjure up uh, in order to plan for their retirement, right? So what do you think one has to do in order to reach this kind of ideal retirement lifestyle? What does one have to do? 
I think, you know, just now the quote, right, which I really like very much, yes. I think you'll realize that, firstly, it doesn't say anything about money. It doesn't start with money. Mm. Now, I mean, not that money is not important. I mean, it, but it, the, the thing is that it does not start with that. It starts first with taking time off today to think about, actually, where do I really want to live when I transit into this new phase? What kind of house do I want to live in? Where, which country am I going to go? Why this kind of house? Who are the loved ones whom you want to live with? And hopefully they want to live with you, you know, and what kind of work do you really want to do to be meaningfully engaged in? I mean, Michelle, you know, I'll tell you my my own personal story. I thought about this many years ago. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I transit into retirement, it's crazy. I want to to move to Batam. And I want to buy a big house. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I want to buy a big house, I build a big house because, you know, I have this dream of dividing the house into two. And one part of the house, I really want to house people who are disadvantaged, discouraged. They can come and stay with me for one week. They don't have to pay anything. And the work that I want to do is actually I want to I want to coach the disadvantaged because I have I have this heart for uh, what I call the underdogs. Mm. And my dream of I mean why I want to go there is because I was thinking like you know when my children get married and they have grandchildren, there's a higher chance of them coming over to Batam and spend one weekend with me rather than say <laughs> and come. But that's my ideal retirement. But I but I started many years thinking about this dream. Wow. You know that's what I want. And once you start with that then you arrange your financials to support what you want. And it doesn't always have to be accumulating more. Mm. Sometimes it could be decluttering and spending less. Absolutely. So start with the vision. What an inspiring money and me we have today. A dramatic rethink about what retirement could mean for you and it doesn't have to be all that difficult. Start with your dreams. So uh, when it came to the, the study, you know, People thought that, depending on age group, they need about 1.4 million mm. to have their retirement dreams. So, mm. as you say, money isn't everything, but ultimately you need some money. So, when it came to retirement sources, uh, retirement sources, what advice do you have for people to, to build their way to that dream? Yeah, I think we will be blasting ourselves today if we say that money is not involved because... Uh, well, ultimately, we need some money to fund the lifestyle that we want. Mm. But how much money we need really depends on that, quote-unquote, good life that we defined earlier, how much, you know, the, the kind of life that we want to live. But just as a ballpark, I mean, this is a money show, so I know I need to give some numbers, right? <laughs> so as a ballpark, if today you have uh, Singaporean PR, you've got about 550000 you know, at age 55 in your retirement account as a couple, you will have about 4000 per month for life from age 65. Now, at age 65, if you have another, say, uh, $1 million, you know, in an investment that gives you 5%, you will have about 4000 per month, another 4000 per month, adjusted for inflation for the next 30 years. Now, of course, if you don't have $1 million cash and you say, oh, but I only have got CPF money and I've got half a million, mm-hmm. then, well, instead of the 4000 I mentioned, then you will have only about 2000 per month. But that's not bad if you add on with your CPF. That's about 6000 per month for life. And well, are you going to reverse engineer everything? You can say, okay, so I've got this kind of money now, four to 6000 every month. What kind of life can I have? Pretty good. Pretty good. So uh, this uh, 550000 has been your retirement account. It can't come by way of the, the house that you pledged there, right? 
No, that's definitely uh, not with the house. Uh, it has to be CPF in cash in your RA, but this is as a couple, right? Not as an individual. And I think a lot of Singaporeans, I mean, if you started working earlier, you know, uh, much early, yeah. by the time you reach this age, about 50, yeah. uh, I will say that a lot of people have about 200,000 in their special account. After paying uh, off their uh, house. Yes, after paying off your house. Uh, it's really from their special, because you can't use your special account money to pay your house, right? So your special account will accumulate to about, say, uh, 200,000. So to get about 250,000 by the time you reach 55... Achievable. Uh, it's achievable. And mm. with your spouse, 500,000 is pretty achievable. But what about that 1 million that pays you 5% again? Is that a fund that you were thinking of? Uh, no specific fund, but mm. I mean, today to get 5% per year is very realistic. I mean, we're not talking really? about double-digit return. Mm. To get 5% over a long term, yeah, it's really, really achievable. Okay. And in fact, this piece of research says Singaporeans are increasingly counting on investment returns to fund their retirement. Quite a change from some time back when people, older Singaporeans, I think, mostly look to their CPF to be able yeah. to, to fund their retirement, right? Mm. So mm. the research also said tech and digitization are influencing the way that we make investment decisions. So does this mean financial advisors need to worry about their relevance, Chris? I don't think so. I mean, well, of course, if you are the kind that just simply sell products, I think you should be very, very worried because that's what the tech and that's what the robots, you know, and all these online brokerage platforms are doing. They are offering products in a much more efficient way at a much lower cost, right? So tech and digitization is great. But it is, after all, an investment execution platform. Mm. What tech doesn't do is that they cannot give you good and suitable advice. Why do I say that? Because, well, to get or to give good and suitable advice, we really need to be able to understand, you know, a person's need, ability, and willingness to take risk. Mm. But how do you how do you know a person need to take risk? Well, need to take risk is based on the need for returns for various life goals to take care of various relationships at different stages of life and. I mean, you, 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 you don't know, right? I mean, just now we talk about the definition of what is a good life. You need someone to be able to talk to you, to get that out from, you know, the kind of life that you want to live. Mm. And what ability you take risk is depend on so many things like, you know, your physical health situation, possible future contingencies such as jobs. Willingness to take risk is dependent on the way you are wired, your behavior, your thinking preferences, your significant events in your life that has happened, all these things shapes your willingness to take risks. And a machine can't do that. A machine cannot understand that. So I don't think that, well, you know, just because there is tech, but I can't ignore that tech is a very good platform. But it is an execution platform. But I mean, if you are giving good advice, advisors should not be worried about it. Okay, I also looked at the research and it said because of COVID, um, there's been shifts in attitudes towards risk. More are moving towards risk diversification because they've seen what it's like, you know, when you have a very volatile um, environment that you're mm. investing in and mm. that the younger people actually have a higher appetite for risk. They're mm. looking at a longer term time horizon. Um, but the pandemic has also prompted a return to low risk investment products for some because it's mm. brought home the whole idea of volatility. What do you want to say to people who want, who are very inspired? They want to start their retirement journey today and they're thinking about how do they weigh their risk in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, you, you know, when I read the research, well, we do realize that actually people are quite confused. I mean, there's a group of people that <clears throat> because of the pandemic, they are moving into very low risk. 
there are people who are diversifying. There are mm. people who say, no, 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 I want to take more risk now, you know. So what what is the thing? I mean, what, what should the right thing be? I think investors need to understand that, you know, if you are, if you are investing for the long term, all these short-term things will happen, right? Market crash, 2008, tech bubble of 2000, pandemic of 2020. But, I mean, when you're investing, that must be something that you expect. Mm. I think if you're investing towards your retirement, which is quite some time away, you need to understand that, you know, when you invest in the stock market, whilst it goes through the up and down, there are enough evidence, 100 years of data, to show you that actually the stock market collectively always go up in the long run. So do not be too worried about this pandemic. It will pass. Yes, in fact, the, the pandemic has not done anything bad to the stock market at all, except that one time 30% drop last year. March, but yeah. it's been going up, right? So so don't worry about this short-term ups and downs, but uh, keep your eye on the long term. Keep your eye on the gold. Now, what surprised me about this piece of research was learning that in general, Singaporeans retire later than they actually want to, with less money than they desire, in hmm. part because they start planning for retirement later. You know, they're prioritising financial planning over retirement planning. They think that can happen at the last stage of financial planning when they have fewer commitments. So what do you want to say to people who have so many life goals now, child's education, they're paying their mortgage, about um, delaying their retirement planning? I think retirement is part of financial planning. I mean, they are not uh, separated. I think what's the, the wrong or rather, okay, I wouldn't say wrong. People are going to get very angry <laughs> if I say what is, what is wrong is... I think the problem is, you know, each time when I see uh, Singaporeans plan, I realize that they actually spend a lot of money on insurance and buying all sorts of wrong insurance. And as a result of that, you know, they spend a lot on premiums and not living enough actually currently to mm. save for the future or even to live a life, mm. you know. And insurance is really a lousy instrument when it comes to accumulating for the future because the returns are very low. So that's the first point. And the second point I think is that, you know, we talked about it earlier it is not just, retirement is not just about, I just want to accumulate more and more and more. I think we really need to sit down to think about the kind of life that we live. Because sometimes, like I say, you may realize that actually you are okay. You may even be able to retire now. You know, it's about cutting down on the expenses that you need to spend. So it's not always about, oh, I, I need to have that 5000 a month. I need to have about 10000 Because you can have money, but still not have that good life. Yeah, I was just looking at a piece of news. I think it said... Um that about about 44% of Singaporean households have a monthly income of at least 9,000. That's right. That's, that's right. That's quite a, a jump. Income. Yeah, from, it, from 29% in 2010, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's, 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 very, it's a very good number. And like I say, you know, the CPF number that I gave just now. Yeah. I mean, you, if you just take care of your CPF, you are going to be able to have at least $4,000 as a couple if both of you work. And that's not too bad as a start, right? Mm, it's a great start. really is. Um, although, you know, when I looked at the survey, it said the average Singaporean thinks 1.4 million is what they need. Actually, it's not far off from what you've suggested as well, right? Not 1 million all, yeah. and then 500,000 in the uh, CPF. Yes. But only 38% surveyed said they are confident of achieving this average. So do you think Singaporeans are ready for retirement, Chris? Well, I think we are getting more ready, that's for sure. I don't think everybody is ready. 
you know, like I say, having done this work for quite a while, I get a sense that people are more informed on the importance of retirement adequacy. More and more people are taking interest to understand topics such as CPF. You know, I'm doing a webinar next week on CPF and there are like 300 people who sign up because Fantastic. people are interested to understand about CPF. More people are taking action. Oh, these are good. But again, I think most people do not realize that retirement adequacy is not just about having enough money about living that good life. You know, I read a study, it's called a New Retirement Mindscape, and it was done in 2020, mm-hmm. or rather 2010. It was found that while many people plan towards retirement and anticipating retirement to come with great excitement, when it really, really happened, mm. they were unhappy. They felt a bit let down because they don't feel that they were living the kind of dream that they expect themselves to live. Mm. So, Again, here's the point, right? The money is important. No, I'm, I mean, I'm in this business of, of money. I know it's important. However, one can have a lot of money and still not live a good life. You're absolutely right. I hear so many people saying to me, uh, sharing with me, you know, my parents died, uh, my dad died, my mom died after they stopped working because, you know, the work gave them so much meaning in their lives. Right. And a lot of people fear retirement because they think, you know, there's a lot of anxiety associated with if I'm not going to be able to work, then every time I spend, I'm going to feel anxious. So you got to deal yeah. with that. Yeah, and, and it's such a waste, right? I mean, after accumulating years of experience that you suddenly stop, I feel that, you know, after accumulating the years of experience going through life, you should continue and at least, you know, mentor the next generation so that, you know, we leave this place a much better place than we are right now. So do some meaningful work. I mean, that's, I think, going to be a lot more fulfilling in retirement than to just sit down and do nothing. Yeah. And final question. Can I come to your house in Batam for a week? Oh, Anytime, Michelle, for you. <laughs> Anytime. 40 minutes, right, and you'll be there. All right. I look forward to your retirement, Chris. Until then, we're going to work you hard on this show. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. He's Christopher Tan, founder and CEO of Provident. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.